Looking. Mourners take pause. He's a kind, caring, loving guy. To remember the Mountie killed in Friday's shooting. It hurts. It hurts a lot of people. As charges are now laid against the accused. Plus, that news this week was was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. That people just felt grief. A vigil held to honor the four firefighters killed in a devastating highway crash. And a newly immigrated couple's home, a complete loss after an alleged drunk driver's attempt to evade police. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news. Charges have now been laid against a man accused of shooting a police officer to death in Coquitlam yesterday. Nicholas Belmar remains in hospital after a violent confrontation with officers. Constable Rick O'Brien was killed. We'll have more on him in just a moment. But first to Grace Key with the latest on the investigation. All day, investigators have been in and out of a Coquitlam condominium at Pine Tree Way and Glen Drive, where RCMP Constable Rick O'Brien was shot and killed and two other officers wounded. Today, um, when the, uh, the forensic team was here, uh, I went in the elevator with one of them and they went up to the 22nd floor and opened up and, um, yeah, it was kind of a horrific scene. There was like blood all over the carpet. New details now emerging. The suspect has been identified as 25-year-old Nicholas Balmer of Coquitlam. He's been charged with first-degree murder and attempted murder with a firearm. Police say they were at the condo 10 a.m. Friday to execute a warrant in relation to a drug investigation that started in Maple Ridge. One resident describes the scene when police first arrived. And when I came down to the lobby, um, there were several officers. If I were to guess, like maybe six to eight officers with rifles, um, not in tactical gear, just in their uh, regular uniforms. Um, and one of the officers asked me if I have access to the 22nd floor, which I don't. The building caretaker was there and the resident asked him to take the officers to the 22nd floor. While that was happening, my mom was coming down the elevator. So I'm not sure at that point if the officers were already up on the 22nd floor, but my mom did hear uh, someone screaming, help, help. You can see what appears to be a bullet hole in the upper level of the complex. Constable O'Brien was shot and killed during an altercation. A second officer was shot and a third officer wounded. The suspect also suffered a gunshot wound. Throughout the day, people dropped off flowers outside the building. Well, it's a member of our community. It's so close to home and... It's just really sad. The two officers are now recovering at home. The suspect remains in custody. Grace Key, Global News. Meanwhile, tributes are pouring in for Constable Rick O'Brien with love and respect from the town where he served his entire RCMP career. Julia Foy has that part of the story. Well, this area. The flowers and the faithful keep coming to the memorial outside the Ridge Meadows RCMP detachment. It's ultimate sacrifice. Our, yeah. for our community and uh, it breaks my heart his first family for his friends for his fellow officers in the community just doing their job they came to show respect for constable rick o'brien who was killed while on duty friday afternoon it was important to be here because we love and respect uh, police officers law enforcement and we have a law enforcement family daddy's a police officer and my dad was and my grandfather was so, uh, yeah, 
just, it's a family. The RCMP and all police forces are, they're a big family. Emotions were raw as people tried to comprehend why this terrible loss of life happened. I just think it's really, really, really upsetting that just having to lose a couple more police officers is not right. I'm just sad. Someone went to work and didn't come home. There's a wife and kids, you know, why? Constable Rick O'Brien was a father and a seven-year veteran of the force. He loved visiting with children and youth at local schools. The mayor of Maple Ridge is shocked over the death of someone who always put others first. They're out and about and they're mingling and they're talking. They're out there with the businesses and they're out there at the schools and they're making a difference. So this touches everybody in our community. So the flowers keep coming, a small gesture from a grieving community. I went and cut down some of my sunflowers in my garden because sunflowers are, they're a happy flower and if it gives a millisecond of peace to anybody, then that's the way it should be. Many are from people that never had a chance to meet Constable Rick O'Brien, but for those that worked with him, one bouquet stands out. Rest easy, we'll take it from here. My heart goes out to your family and your friends and all your fellow officers and thank you for serving our community. Julia Foy, Global News. And Constable O'Brien's death is reverberating across the country. He will now be part of the annual police memorials that had been planned for tomorrow afternoon, where the names of fallen officers are placed onto permanent markers. It seems to be that this has just become a more frequent occurrence in the Canadian context than it used to be. Um, we, like with Travis, uh, Constable Jordan and Constable um, Ryan, uh, Constable Dami, in the Edmonton area this year and then all of a sudden we have another one in BC and it felt like for a while every single week we were hearing about a police officer dying either because of an ambush attack or a car accident and it's just it's been a long year for the police officers that I know and and being in that community for as long as I have. The Police and Peace Officers National Memorial Day is marked across the country. Here in BC there will be a ceremony at the legislature in Victoria. Vigils are also being held for four firefighters who died in a crash earlier this week as they returned home from a two-week deployment. One of the vigils is happening at this hour in Chase, a community hit hard by wildfire earlier this summer. Our Travis Prasad joins us now with the details. Travis. Yeah, Kamal, the Adams Lake complex wildfires burned all around the village of Chase. Wildland firefighters battled those fires tirelessly, so that community is a fitting location to pay tribute to the firefighters killed in that tragic crash. All four of them died when their pickup truck collided with a semi. It happened around 2 a.m. on September 19th on Highway 1 near Cache Creek. They were part of a crew subcontracted by the province to help fight wildfires. One of the victims is Jackson Billy Boy, just 19 years old. His parents say he was headed home from a 14-hour shift fighting fires near Fort St. James. Two more victims have been identified online as Kenneth Patrick of the Hawk Leap First Nation in Lillooet and Blaine Sonnenberg of the Staelis First Nation in Agassiz. The vigil is getting underway at Memorial Park in Chase. A fire camp remains in that community where wildfire crews have been stationed for part of the season. The vigil officiant hopes the service will let all wildland firefighters know their sacrifices 
are appreciated. People are invited to join and gather and to, uh, to be a physical encouragement and reminder of, of the care that our community has and the gratitude that our community has to those who have um, put their life on the line, who have worked diligently and worked hard and worked for long periods of time to keep our community and other communities safe. It has been an incredibly destructive wildfire season and not just because of the record amount of land that has burned. On top of that, six wildfire personnel have died in B.C. this year. Kamal. Mm -hmm. Just a tragic season. Thanks so much, Travis. That's our Travis Prasad reporting in studio. Two families have been left homeless after a fire ripped through a home in Clayton Heights. Surrey fire crews attending a massive blaze at a home on 193rd Street and 66th Avenue just before noon today. The fire then spread to the neighboring home. Firefighters managed to put out the flames and prevented the fire from spreading to other homes. But the two properties suffered extensive damage, leaving their occupants displaced. Fortunately, no one was injured. The cause of the fire is under investigation. More than a dozen supportive housing residents are out of their units tonight after a fire at a downtown Eastside SRO. Vancouver fire crews responding to reports of a sprinkler activation at the Molson Hotel on East Hastings near Main Street. When firefighters arrived, they discovered fire and smoke coming from a single unit on the fifth floor. They managed to knock down the fire, but the suite was damaged. No one was injured, but 20 residents have been displaced because of water damage. We've got emergency social services is going to come, our partnership with them, and they'll, uh, they'll deal with the displaced residents. It was a mattress fire that we, uh, we're being told right now. Fires determined uh, that there's no suspicious cause. Meanwhile, a family in Vancouver who recently arrived in the city find themselves out of their home tonight and unsure of where to go from here. A suspected drunk driver in a pickup truck ran a roadblock in North Vancouver and slammed into their home in the Hastings Sunrise area in the middle of the night. Paul Johnson has that story. Maybe if there's something important. Picking through the wreckage for valuables. What a disaster it was in East Van Saturday morning and a completely avoidable one as well. I was sleeping, it was uh, yeah, middle of the night. I just heard a noise, a loud noise, like a crash. That was the sound of a pickup truck slamming into her house. Firefighters say the truck not only smashed their home, but sheared off the gas meter, ignited it, and created a blowtorch effect, interfering with their efforts to save the house, which is now likely a complete loss. For the couple who lost their home, their understanding of the events that led up to it was even more infuriating. I heard later uh, a drunk driver was escaping from the checkpoint from the police and police was escaping and um, uh, chasing. And that account was corroborated by North Van RCMP, who said they were running a roadblock that night. A vehicle blew through it and they chased it into East Van where it smashed into the house. Vancouver cops caught the driver and alcohol is suspected. But an arrest is likely little consolation for the occupants of that house, reportedly newly arrived immigrants to Canada just about to start new jobs and lives. How's that for a welcome to Canada? Paul Johnson, Global News. 
And after the break, it may be autumn, but the wildfire risk isn't over. The Northeast seeing increased wildfire behavior, even shutting down a key roadway. Plus, we've really stepped up security and we're working very closely with the VPD. Stepping up security at a Chinatown festival with the triple stabbing from earlier this month front of mind. That's next. Even as cooler weather helps the fire situation in the rest of the province, the northeast is seeing increased fire behavior. These images show smoke rising high into the evening skies near Fort Nelson yesterday. The BC Wildfire Service has noted increased fire behavior across the area, so it's recommended the closure of Highway 77 up to Fort Leard in the Northwest Territories. The fire service says no structures are threatened at this time. Meanwhile, the Caribou Regional District has downgraded an evacuation order in the area of the Hell Raven Creek Fire. The lightning-caused fire has burned through 160 square kilometers since its discovery on August 27th. Residents in the Twist area, uh, Creek area rather, are allowed to return home now. Both areas, though, remain on evacuation alert. Security is top of mind for organizers of a festival festival next week in Vancouver's Chinatown. The preparations come on the heels of a random stabbing in the area two weeks ago that left three people with serious injuries. And the chief of police accusing a suspect on a day pass from a psychiatric facility. Krista Dow reports. It was a celebration of Chinatown's resilience, with thousands flocking to the Light Up Festival for food, music and entertainment. The event sullied after three people were stabbed at random. While the attack isolated, safety is top of mind for many. We've really stepped up security and we're working very closely with the VPD. Lorraine Lowe with the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Classical Chinese Garden is busy preparing for their 38th annual Mid-Autumn Festival next week, expected to be its largest yet. And while festivities will be located within the gated park, organizers are taking no chances. It's a ticketed event. They need to show uh, their ticket as well. It's all secured and it's a gated event. We've got several security guards on site. He missed my back and then got my, got my arm. Heightened security concerns comes as support for the three victims continues to grow. When if he not hit my back, he hit me somewhere is more serious and then maybe, you know, I'm gone, right? Chinatown leaders, including Carol Lee, behind a fundraiser to help with medical expenses and counseling and therapy. That's really our focus right now is is supporting the victims and their families during this, this healing period for them. It's um, comforting to them to know that there's so many people that are, are praying for their, for their recovery and, and wanting them to get better. Lee says the third victim, a 24-year-old woman, is also still recovering, only recently having her stitches removed. She was the one who was most seriously injured, and I think it was very traumatic for her, but she's, she's doing better with hope of a speedy recovery as many rally behind not only the victims, but Chinatown as a whole. Historically, Chinatown has been a very resilient community, and we expect it to bounce back and come back even stronger. Krista Dow, Global News. 
There's a disturbing phone scam happening in Kelowna where the scammers are calling from what appears to be RCMP phone numbers. This week, a Kelowna resident reported receiving a call from what looked like a police non-emergency line. They were told there was a warrant out for their arrest and the caller began asking for personal information, their name, date of birth, driver's license number and banking information. The resident realized this was not legitimate and hung up. RCMP say the scammers are a caller ID spoofing technology. They say while an officer can call someone to advise them of a warrant, they will never ask for banking information. Anyone who thinks they may have fallen for this scam should contact the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. After the break, tensions continue to escalate between Canada and India, with increasing pressure on Canada's allies to pick a side. Plus, Ukraine missile attack in Crimea strikes Russian Navy headquarters. More on that after the break. Tensions continue to mount between Canada and India over the Prime Minister's explosive allegation linking that country to the killing of Canadian Sikh leader Hardeep Singh Nijjar. India denies any wrongdoing, but questions are surfacing about how Canada's allies should respond to the dis- diplomatic dispute. Brittany Rosen has more. This house belongs to the older brother of Hardeep Singh Nijjar. Nijjar's uncle in India says... The property seized by India's top investigation agency today as the Sikh separatist murder remains at the center of a diplomatic row. We are deeply concerned about the allegations that Prime Minister Trudeau has raised. Canada's closest allies, including the U.S., have publicly expressed worry over tensions with India. But not one of the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance has accused Delhi for its alleged connection to Niger's assassination. This despite reports one of its members provided some level of intelligence to Ottawa. It's a no-win, really, for for the U.S., for the U.K., and for other Western countries. Who supplied the additional intelligence and what its contents are remain unclear. But one expert says it was likely Washington, given reports that President Biden raised the matter with the Indian Prime Minister at the G20 summit. Allies are walking a tight rope between backing Canada while not fracturing relations with India. India is the West's big bet um, in containing China. A much-needed ally for the West as a counteroffensive to Beijing's projection of power, India is quickly becoming a state to be reckoned with, with one of the largest militaries and an economy on track to become the third largest in the world by 2030. Neither country wants to, uh, to, to imperil the long-term future of the relationship. It isn't yet clear what the seizure of Niger's brother's property in India signals about Delhi's intentions. Will it conduct its own private investigation or concede and cooperate with the Canadian government? Those questions remain top of mind amid what appears to be a diplomatic game of chicken between the two countries. Brittany Rose in Global News, Washington. Ukraine launched another attack on Russian-occupied Crimea overnight. A barrage of missiles hit the heart of the Kremlin's Black Sea Fleet, destroying a section of the Russian Navy's headquarters in Sevastopol. 
According to Ukraine's military, at least nine people were killed, including two Russian generals, show attacks on Crimean shipyards. Crimea has been the key hub fueling Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine and is a major target for Ukrainian forces seeking to reclaim lost territory. In health news, today marks International Day of Sign Languages, a unique opportunity to support and preserve linguistic identities. According to the World Federation of the Deaf, there are over 70 million deaf individuals worldwide. Collectively, they use more than 300 different sign languages to communicate. The United Nations uses this day to highlight the human rights of people who are deaf. Up next, tropical storm Ophelia makes landfall. The storm makes its way up the east coast after touching down in North Carolina, delivering heavy rain and strong winds. We have the latest on the damage. Wake up to a new day and a new face on global news. Jason Pierris joins BC's number one morning news team. For BC's best coverage of news, weather and traffic, watch Global News Morning. We are BC's News. A suspected case of whirling disease has been detected in a BC lake. Parks Canada says it was found in Yoho National Park and is the first time the disease has been detected in the province. The disease is caused by a microscop microscopic parasite that affects fish including trout and salmon. Once established, it is nearly impossible to eradicate the parasite, which is known as an aquatic invasive species. In a bid to stop further spread, a number of other nearby lakes have also been closed. Whirling disease is not a risk to humans. Tropical storm Ophelia has made landfall along the east coast of the United States, lashing communities with strong winds and dangerous storm surges. The governors of North Carolina, Virginia and Maryland each declared a state of emergency Friday, closing schools and canceling weekend events. The fierce storm hit North Carolina's coastline early this morning with near hurricane strength winds clocking 110 kilometers per hour. Ophelia is expected to weaken as it turns north before taking a turn to the northeast tomorrow. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with a look at the forecast. Yvonne, shifting into fall, and we're seeing the first significant fall storm on the way. Yeah, first full day of fall. Kamal, nice to have you on the show, and good evening, everyone. Uh, yes, we are going to see a significant storm that is going to move in, and the timeline will be for tomorrow, but it has been a soggy start through the day today. We have been tracking on and off rain. That'll taper off to just a slight chance for some showers as we get in towards this evening. Currently sitting at 14 degrees, we've got an easterly wind at 17 kilometers per Hour. We still have some shower activity popping up on the radar. That's for eastern areas extending right in towards the Fraser Valley and right along the North Shore Mountains and along the Sunshine Coast as well. But it's in behind it. This is the weather maker that is going to be packing a punch and we've got a series of storms in behind it. But the first one, the significant one that's moving in will be late tomorrow night. All areas along the south coast will be impacted with very windy conditions and then continuing in towards our Monday morning with some rainfall on the way. Now the following areas that are in purple, that's where we're seeing the wind warnings. 
things. The strongest winds will be along the northern tip of Vancouver Island, western regions with gusts of over 100 kilometers per hour. It extends right along the eastern areas, the Sunshine Coast with gusts of up to 90. The Strait of Georgia will also see some of the strongest winds. And then southern regions near Victoria will see a range between 60 and up to 80 kilometers per hour. And that's where we do have a special weather statement. So the timeline for the storm, Sunday night into Monday morning, we have the potential to see falling tree branches, local power outages, and rainfall amounts between 10 and up to 50 millimeters with higher amounts right along the western edge of the island. The northern tip, though, for the northern regions of the long north coast, rather, We'll be seeing some shower activity, lighter precipitation. Big weather story still for the northeastern corners of the province. We still have smoke across the region impacting those areas over the next 24 and potentially up to 48 hours. A few showers will pop up for the southeastern corners of the province. Drier for the Thompson Okanagan with highs up to 19 degrees. But the big weather story with the significant fall storm will be along the south coast. We are going to see temperatures a touch cooler for tomorrow, but the heaviest rainfall really starts to move in towards the evening hours with those winds as well. Highs through the day tomorrow between 18 and 19 degrees. It'll be a drier start for our Sunday with a mainly cloudy sky. It's Sunday night leading in towards our Monday. Very blustery. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, we still have a number of storms that'll move in. And even a touch cooler, Kamal, as we get in towards our Wednesday with highs just up to 13. Feeling more fall-like. Back to you. Mm -hmm. Some good heads up there for our viewers. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, it is Motion Ball Day in the city of Kelowna. The nationwide event began in 2002 when a group of brothers noticed a disconnect between supporters of the Special Olympics and the Special Olympic athletes themselves. Determined to fix that, they started a different kind of fundraiser called Motion Ball. It is Motion Ball Day in Kelowna, something the volunteer event director likes to refer to as an adult version of Fun Day in elementary school. It's a day filled with sport in Kelowna City Park that's also a fundraiser for Special Olympics. Yeah, so we have a lot of amazing corporate sponsors that, uh, that donate to the cause, but actually the way the funds are raised are all these participants that are here. They uh, reach out to their respective communities of friends, family, co-workers, and they generate pledge dollars, and that's what's donated to the, to the Special Olympics Canada Foundation. Corporate teams, sports teams, and teams made up of a bunch of friends are all put together with Special Olympic athletes to compete against one another in a variety of sports. Oh, actually, it's hockey, so I'm really good at that one. Uh, actually, this is my first time doing this. Like road hockey, ultimate frisbee, and dodgeball. Well, this is a great opportunity for our community to support our athletes. Uh, it's all ran by local businesses, um, people who live here. And uh, we found out today that we're actually in line second for all of Canada for the amount of money that we raised. Um, our goal here is to raise 150,000 net and uh, I have a feeling we might have already broken that. So sky's the limit now from this point. But at the end of the day, all of the participants here agree the day is really all about fun, getting to know some local athletes and making new friends. And that's what it's all about. Looks mm. like a lot of fun. Looks awesome. And speaking of fun. Good spirit. Lots of uh, sports to look oh, forward I to. It's you, fall again. I thought you meant I'm a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. you're a lot of fun. You're too. a lot of fun because you bring the sports I to us. That's well, I why. was at Canucks camp for a couple of days. All yeah. the people on the island, 
big Canuck fans. They love uh, all of us here at Global. So thank you uh, for saying hello and we're there. We're going to talk about the Canucks uh, new look defense. A lot of new looks. Uh, I'd say up to four new faces on the blue line. So we'll have a story on that. And the white caps just about to kick off in Salt Lake. We'll uh, preview that for you as well coming up. Mm -hmm. And one of the new things, Quinn Hughes with a C. Quinn Hughes with, with a C, one of the few returning defensemen. Yeah, Myers, new yeah. look for sure. All right, after the break, the risk with variable mortgage rates. A new study shows just how much those with variable rates lost compared to those with fixed rates and what the experts recommend moving forward. Up next. Bernard Avenue was the place to be today in downtown Kelowna. This is a rescheduled show and shine from that weekend in August when we had, unfortunately, all those wildfires. Uh, we've rescheduled for this weekend, which is also Small Shop Weekend, celebrating small business in downtown Kelowna. Mm -hmm. Take a look at that. There are close to 100 entries in the downtown car show. Classic cars, hot rods, and genuine collectibles. People casting votes for their favorite with the winner getting the People's Choice Award. The wildfires put a sudden end to a typically busy summer for downtown businesses. So retailers and restaurants are really hoping days like this will prompt people to shop local. Is the weather pretty good? Uh, they're gonna come in again looking around more in little shops too. Yeah, I mean, it brings a lot of people down and we get, uh, you know, we share with all the other restaurants. To encourage people to come downtown today for both the show and shine and the shop small day, the city of Kelowna offered two hours of free parking at all of its pay stations. A controversy over land development in the Toronto area continues to rock Ontario politics. Protests were planned today to protect a green belt of farmland and parks that encircles the metropolis. But after the Conservative government reversed a development decision, the protests turned to celebration. Lexi Benedict reports. It was a mistake to open the green belt, and for that, I am very, very sorry. I'll be reversing the changes we made and won't make any changes to the green belt in the future. It's a win for the people. The people united will never be defeated. We are so proud. Like we, we save our community, we save our environment, and for our future kids. Saturday was all about celebrating the return of the green belt back to the people. Doug Ford was forced by public pressure to actually back down and do what had to be done, restore those lands to the green belt. This is a massive victory for the people. This comes after weeks of controversy surrounding the Ford government and their decision to build homes on the green belt. Many say Ford's recent change of heart is a big win for democracy. Citizen action works, democracy works, and you know, if, if, if you keep pushing for what you want, you'll get it. Officials and advocates say while today is a celebration, they've made it very clear that this is far from over and more work is going to be done. There's a lot of work that needs to be done when it comes to the Ontario place, um, when we look at Highway 413 and, um, and the damage that all of that will do. The official opposition says they will continue to push for answers on the RCMP investigation. We want to know what happened in Las Vegas, right? They say they still want accountability for what happened. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. It was insulting what they were doing. It was going to be money going into his friends' pockets, the developers' pockets, and I'll say it, because the MPPs can't, 
into his pockets. The Premier has said that he will undo the changes. We're going to hold uh, his feet to the fire and we're going to hope that he puts his money where his mouth is on Monday once legislature opens. And now they wait in hopes that the Premier keeps his promise. Lexi Benedict, Global News. With interest rate hikes came, that came more pain for some Canadians, especially those with variable rate mortgages. New data out this week suggests variable rate mortgage holders have paid thousands more in interest since those hikes began. Sean Preville explains. Variable rate mortgage holders are feeling the pinch after the 10 rate hikes by the Bank of Canada over the past year and a half. A new report by Rates.ca found the average variable rate holder has paid about 63% more in total interest than their fixed rate counterparts. The report shows someone who got a $500,000 mortgage in July 2021 will have paid roughly $23,000 extra in interest due to the higher rates as of September. Victor Tran says the report is a general outlook but shows what some Canadians are dealing with. It's not exactly what they bargained for. You know, they're, they're paying a lot more now. Lots of regret in the market as well. But as that crunch continues, it brings questions about the future of variable rates. Tran says fixed term has become the popular route because of its stability, but depending on the person, variable can still be an option. It also depends on the number of months or years they have left in the variable rate term. Depends on the outstanding balance. Depends on the short-term and long-term goals of a customer as well, too. Canadians are still watching to see if the interest rate rises again next month and whether they can tolerate the risk of variable rates. But Aton Pinsky says while it can be a benefit for risk-takers, others should be wary. A lot of people who get variable rate mortgages that shouldn't have are the ones that are looking at the Bank of Canada rates and hoping that they don't increase. Pinsky adds new buyers or those renewing their mortgage now may see a benefit in the long run if they go with variable. If they can afford to ride out the current rates, then lock it in at a potential lower rate in a few years. If Canadians want to know what is best for them, experts say they should consult a mortgage professional. That's where your mortgage professional will come in and, and assess your, your income, and assess your ability to withstand that um, uh, risk. Uh, we're never going to be in a position to make you uncomfortable with your payments. With inflation at 4%, analysts say another rate hike could come as soon as October. Sean Preville, Global News. Coming up, a new star unveiled along the Granville Strip. You may notice a couple of new names on Vancouver's Star Walk. We hear from the musician who has his name now etched in BC Entertainment history. After the break. Come out to one of the largest home shows in Vancouver. Get real home advice from trusted local experts at the Vancouver Fall Home Show. From kitchen and baths to flooring and more, see the latest trends and get expert advice from September 28th to October 1st. The Canadian Cancer Society CIBC Run for the Cure is back on Sunday, October 1st. Sign up now to support all Canadians impacted by breast cancer at CIBCRunForTheCure.com. For Our BC, I'm Yvonne Shell. In partnership with Destination BC, Tofino, Euclid, and Port Alberni are ready to welcome you this fall. After all, there's no better way to help BC than by exploring BC. All right, Barry joins us now to take a look at sports. Ah, my favorite time of the year. Mm. Everything's kicking off again. Lots going on. Lots going on. You know, the summer uh, pause is done and we're back at it. There's a lot of sports colliding right now, which is my happy time. Thanks, Kamal. The uh, Whitecaps are just starting their game in Salt Lake City. Game six of that epic seven-game road trip. They're coming off a 4-1 loss in Houston Wednesday. So 
We'll see how Vanny's team responds. They have bounced back, I think, pretty well after poor performances for most of this season. We'll have highlights at 11. It's scoreless very early first half. While the Canucks have one more day of training camp in Victoria tomorrow, they also open their preseason tomorrow night in Calgary. So half the squad will practice in Victoria. The other half will play the Flames. Most of the new faces on the Canucks this year are on the blue line. Only Quinn Hughes, Tyler Myers, and Philip Roenick return. And Roenick's really only played four games last year after being acquired from Detroit. This past summer, the Vancouver Canucks started to build a new defense with older players. The veterans they brought in, Carson Soucy, Matt Irwin, and Ian Cole, have all been around for a while. And they're considered more defensive defensemen, who can be old school, physically. Kind of like how their coach, Adam Foote, played the game. I mean, guys that are hard to play against, um, you know, it'll help our penalty kill, blocking shots, um, liking, you know, playing in the dirt. Uh, they like it. Uh, they like to grind and they're good at it, and they know that it's a big part of our game. The Canucks know firsthand how running into Carson Soucy is kind of like running into a vending machine, but he's not going to go heat-seeking missile every time he has to stop someone. A lot of it's just timing. There's obviously times to be physical, and I think hopefully this group is really good at that, but I think a lot of time for me too, I can use my reach before I have to be physical and kind of hopefully dislodge that puck early. And then like I said, if it comes to being physical after, I think our group's gonna do a good job of that. And that's the key, read the game, know when to do certain things. Rick Tockett and Adam Foote want their defensemen to pay attention to details. Doesn't matter if you're a skilled guy, um, if you're gonna go the distance in playoffs, uh, everyone has to play that way at times. So. Um, it should be good. All, even our, all our veterans we bought in, I think, will help our whole team with the, the details. I think nowadays defensemen are asked to do, to, to do everything, to play on both sides of the puck. And I think that um, you know, the guys we got here can, can all do that. Like Carson Seuss, right, more of a defensive first guy, more like myself. Great offensive instincts, can still hop in. It's a great skater. Um, you know, the, the, there are guys on this roster that can that can do a lot, and uh, I mean, obviously Quinn Hughes is a very very special player. So is so is Phil Heronik, and and uh, I think it's it's an exciting group to be a part of. I think we can, like I said, we can make a lot of noise this year. The Lions have their sights set on first place in the West. They are tied with Winnipeg right now at 10 and 4 with a showdown looming two weeks from now at BC Place that will likely determine who finishes on top. Last night, the Lions officially clinched a playoff spot with a determined effort against the very much improved Edmonton Elks. Vernon Adams Jr. had another good news, bad news kind of performance through two interceptions, but also two touchdown passes. This one to Javon Katoy. Uh, Adams makes a lot of great plays, but he still forces throws into double and triple coverage, and he has paid the price for that. But maybe the most positive news last night on offense, the running game. Taquan Mizell had 112 yards rushing and two TDs, including, including this 47-yard burst for a touchdown that pretty much sealed the game back in the Lions' favor. And the defense was also brilliant using their speed to keep Elks quarterback Trey Ford under control. Seven sacks, including this one by Siona Tehema. Lions lock up a playoff spot, but they have designs on first. Here's Coach Campbell after the game. I couldn't be more proud. You just beat a team three times. You beat them twice in their house. Ten wins. Playoff spot. Couldn't be more proud. Now listen, you got two days off. 
treatment tomorrow is from 11 to 2. There is no rundown tomorrow. Yes, sir. No, no film tomorrow. And then you got the next day off, and we got banged up people. We need to take care of ourselves because the games are going to keep getting bigger as we go on. We got to count this up, but I got to say one more thing. This beard is undefeated. Yes, All right, CFL today, Alouettes and Stampeders. Calgary needs to get busy to catch the Rough Riders for a playoff spot in the West. They trail them by four points. Third quarter, Cody Fajardo to Tyson Philpot. The Vancouver kid stretches for the end zone just short. It was a 51-yard gain, but the Owls punched it in for a touchdown to play later, and then they put this one away. Fajardo hits William Standback for the touchdown. Alouettes win 28-11. Calgary now 4-10 and and very much in danger of missing the playoffs. Labor Cup tennis from Rogers Arena, where Yvonne is headed right now for the night session. Team World swept the four matches on Friday. American Taylor Fritz kept the perfect record intact this afternoon as he took out uh, Team Europe's Andre Rublev in straight sets. Then Casper Ruud versus Tommy Paul. And finally, the Europeans get on the board. Match point ace for the Norwegian Ruud. Team World still leads six points to two. First one to 13 points wins the cup. Two more matches tonight, then four more tomorrow at Rogers Arena. Baseball today, Blue Jays and Rays from Tampa. Tough first inning for Hun Jin Ryu. Got to lit up for a couple homers, including this three-run shot by Josh Lowe. Tampa would build up a 5-0 lead, but the Blue Jays rallied for four runs with two outs in the sixth. The last coming on this Kevin Biggio double to right. So the Jays scrapping their way back to within a run at 5-4. They actually took the lead. When they scored on a wild pitch and a bases loaded walk, took that lead to the ninth, but couldn't hold it. Jordan Romano gave up two in the bottom of the ninth, including the game-winning hit from Josh Lowe. Tough loss for the Jays. They fall 7-6, but the Jays still in a wild card spot with just seven games left in the season. Meanwhile, the Mariners in Texas for another crucial game against the Rangers. These two teams meet six more times in the final nine days of the season. Likely only one goes through to the playoffs. And Texas won last night, and they won again today. Jonah Heim with the blue pit. 2-0 the final. Mariners now two back of Texas. Also a game and a half back of the Jays. The M's currently out of a playoff spot. English Premiership, Manchester City looking to stay perfect. Hosting Nottingham Forest doesn't take long to get going. This is pretty. Long ball, Rodri knocked back by Kenneth Walker. Phil Foden drills it in. Beautifully choreographed. Uh, Man City doesn't seem to score many ugly goals. 1-0. Seven minutes later, Matias Nunez with the cross. Erling Holland with the power header using that six-foot-four frame to power at home is eighth in six EPL matches. City win 2-0. They are a perfect 6-0 this season. And some Rugby World Cup from France. England taking on Chile. And this was one-way traffic all day long. Marcus Smith with the little chip kick there gets a nice bounce. And he will roll in for the try. 31-0 England at halftime. And they had 11 tries in the match. Five of them by Henry Arundel. Cheeky little chip kick to himself and then sticks the landing. It was England 71-0, the final over Chile, England 3-0 atop Pool D. Wow. That's it for sports. That's I don't know much game. about the Rugby World Cup. I'm looking forward to the Cricket World Cup. Are you watching that? Uh, I haven't got my eyes on that one yet, okay. but I'll, I'll keep tabs with you. Okay, about that? So that sounds good. We'll watch together here. <laughs> sure. All right, coming up, popular band Coldplay's Vancouver concert kicked off with a very special opening act, why some are calling it a historic. That's after the break.
Right, more than 100,000 Coldplay fans flocked to BC Place last night to watch the band perform. And before they even got up on stage, they got a very special welcome. Now, please join us in thanking Coldplay for being the first musicians to create a space for us to do this important work in acknowledging Coldplay Vancouver. Youth representatives from the Musqueam, Squamish and Slalewood Tooth First Nations came together to share a land acknowledgement on behalf of Coldplay. This marks the first time First Nations youth welcomed a performer at BC Place. First Nations will also welcome Coldplay tonight as they wrap up their first and only Canadian stop in their world tour. He's known as the Hitman and now Victoria musician David Foster has another accolade under his belt. We now introduce David Foster. Foster was added to Vancouver's Star Walk on the Granville Strip Friday morning. The special ceremony hosted by the BC Entertainment Hall of Fame took place outside the Commodore Ballroom with Vancouver Mayor Ken Sim also in attendance. 70s supergroup Skylark, which Foster also contributed to, was also honored. Six rehabilitated rescue seals were successfully released into the wild earlier this week. I always love these videos. Members of Vancouver Aquarium's Marine Mammal Rescue Team carrying the young harbor seals in crates. They then released acorn, lacy flower pot pirate, swish swash, and Clifford onto the beach in Richmond where all six made it to the water. The Marine Mammal Rescue Center, which not only rescues animals, but also rehabilitates them, recently became a registered charity. I kind of want to name my... They're going, where's the glass in the ocean? I kind of want to name my firstborn Swish Swash. That's just a, uh, yeah. a lovely name. Yeah, All right. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, people who, who, who that's their full-time job, naming seals. I couldn't right. keep a straight face. All right, for Barry, for myself, thanks for watching Global News and NewsHour. Have a great night.